Hey there, and welcome to this, which is our seventh, uh, sorry, no, sixth edition of uh, Smart Building Series for 2018. And I am really pleased to uh, be talking about the five pillars of smart asset management today uh, with Logan Sawyer from Aquacore. And I'll ask Logan to introduce himself uh, and the company in a minute. But first of all, uh, a word from our sponsor, which is Project Haystack. Uh, if you guys haven't uh, checked out Project Haystack yet, I really encourage you to do it. Uh, we're an open source project that's looking at uh, simplifying data for the Internet of Things and really um, helping to semantically tag data from all of these different um, things that building and automation systems are, are collecting. So go to project slash hyphen, uh, sorry, project hyphen haystack.org for more information on that. And also, uh, of course, this is an interactive uh, webinar, so I encourage you guys to, to ask questions. Uh, if you type them in, I think you can see that on the console. Um, I'll get the questions here, and then I can, uh, we can myself and Logan can, can dis, uh, discuss them after he's uh, finished his presentation. Um, so yeah, that's how we're going to run it today. We're going to have a presentation from Logan for uh, probably 20 to 30 minutes, and then afterwards we're going to have a Q&A and discuss some of the ideas that he, he's going to put forward uh, in his uh, uh, some of these views and obviously what they're doing at, at Aquacore. So, uh, yeah, just want to say, of course, first, hi, Logan. Welcome to the Smart Building Series. Hi, James. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's hi. great to be here and uh, excited to talk a little bit of, uh, to your audience. Great. I um, really appreciate you spending the time and, and uh, joining us today. So, yeah, tell, tell us a bit about uh, Aquacore and obviously yourself and, and some of your experience. Yeah, sure. Thank you so much. Uh, so, um, you know, it's great to meet everyone virtually. I really encourage everyone to ask questions at the end. Um, it's, you know, it's not easy to make these kinds of things interactive, but, uh, but do it for me. Uh, I would appreciate it. Um, so a little bit of background about myself. Uh, I founded Aquacore, which is a technology company in real estate, which uh, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about uh, in just a minute. Um, my background, I'm actually uh, born and raised in Florida next to the Space Coast, grew up watching the space shuttle go up as a kid, so I'm a technologist at heart. Uh, became an entrepreneur, um, uh, you know, uh, through my background. I worked in the telecom industry for several years before I pursued my MBA at Georgetown and London Business School, where I started Aquacore. Um, about Aquacore, um, we are a technology company uh, helping to enable uh, real-time data collection for uh, across all different types of assets uh, and help improve the asset operations um, for the owners and operators of buildings, which I think hopefully will have very uh, much, um, you know, uh, resonance with what we'll be talking about today. Um, you know, about the company, we're almost 50 employees today. We've deployed to about 100 million square feet or over 100 million square feet now, uh, over 100 clients of, of pretty great institutions. And so we're happy to share what we've learned along our journey and uh, would love to collaborate uh, with the audience and, and, and um, you know, get your thoughts on, on, on our lessons learned here. So in terms of uh, the agenda today, and James, feel free to, uh, to, to, to stop me or add anything if, if you think that I'm, I'm missing uh, along the way here. Sure. Uh, what I'll talk a little bit about is, yeah, thanks. Uh, what we'll, I'll talk a little bit about is just, 
you know, we talk a lot about the physical assets of buildings. We talk a lot about the physical buildings themselves. So I want to pause for a second and talk about the people behind the buildings. I'll then introduce the five pillars and some of the, you know, and, and given the, the audience of this, uh, this venue here, I'll talk about what is the technology and the influences that are occurring in those pillars. And then I'll sort of wrap up some, some lessons learned and I'll, I'll do a Q&A uh, as, as James mentioned. Uh, so without any hesitation, I'll, I'll jump right in. So look, if you're listening to this presentation, you've probably come to the, to the conclusion at some point in some facet somehow that the world's most largest and valuable assets across the globe uh, need new technology, right? Um, and whether you are working in, um, you know, physical systems and facilities and HVAC systems in lighting, whether you're working across the real estate business as a whole, um, you know, it, it's sort of an acknowledged need that uh, we, you know, both the vendors that are creating these technologies as well as the uh, adopters and the owners and operators of these buildings uh, sort of recognize that there's this evolution that's occurring. Um, but you know, one thing that always strikes me as sort of funny when I hear about these webinars and uh, the presentations from, from my, my, you know, partner vendors and whatnot is that very often we talk about the benefits of these technologies for the buildings. And very often we sort of forget um, about the people behind the buildings. Or, or maybe we don't forget, but it's not spoken as loudly and as clearly as, as I would like. Um, and so the purpose of today's presentation is really to help uh, ask ourselves, um, you know, pause ourselves and ask ourselves, is the technology really built for the benefit of the people behind the buildings or is it built uh, for the buildings themselves? <clears throat> and so, you know, you would think that that's an easy task. You would think that, oh, hey, that, that sounds very intuitive and obvious, but it's not quite as easy as you would think. And so over the years of, of speaking with, with, you know, individuals and, and growing the business, um, it's, I've had the privilege and the honor of, of, you know, meeting and speaking with people across all facets of real estate, from brokers to building engineers, from people that work inside individual buildings to principals and CEOs that oversee entire portfolios of buildings. Um, and so it, it's, you know, I, I think I'm pausing here to, to say that um, the complexity of real estate is not just about the complexity of the building, it's about the complexity of the organizations and the business of real estate as well. And so understanding how these people interact and who these people are is a critical thing, uh, juncture to understand um, both if you are within real estate as one of these roles, as well as if you are uh, an innovator or technologist trying to bring technology to this space. And, you know, I think um, anybody who has sort of tackled this industry has found that you know, the nomenclature and the taxonomy and the jargon can be inundating. And what's even probably more frustrating is that very often these terms kind of sound similar. Uh, you know, what's the difference between a BMS and a BAS? What's the difference between building management or build property management? What exactly is defined as property management? What exactly is defined as facility operations? And as a result, right, all of this innovation around smart building, IoT adoption, um, can sometimes struggle to be understood. Um, so what I'm proposing for the purposes of this webinar and what I uh, look forward to your feedback on 
is a simple framework uh, that we've developed here at Aquacore to help sort of break down the various uh, offerings and uh, landscape of technologies and needs in real estate, especially around sort of asset management and managing these buildings. And uh, hopefully you can take a, a, a few benefits away from this webinar, um, depending on who you are. Um, if you're a, a real estate owner and operator, you know, you're probably inundated with many phone calls of various different types of technologies. You're probably, um, you know, trying to make sense of, of all of this new, uh, these new logos and these new uh, technologies yourself. And so hopefully this framework, you can use this um, to, to think about how to put uh, these various technologies that you're meeting and speaking with into the appropriate buckets. And then understanding that there are many cases where these talk technologies will in fact work together and that by knowing how they can work together um, you can create the right set of technologies for your purposes and your business if you're a technologist if you're a vendor if you're trying to reach uh, an audience in real estate um, then hopefully this framework can allow you to better relate to your customers this framework can help you uh, steer your conversation to the right audiences and, and ideally uh, will help you understand how to fit your technology into an ever-growing ecosystem of more and more, um, you know, solutions that are coming out there. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, my hope is that we can reduce some of the noise and some of the confusion because I, I get that feedback a lot, at least I do which is, um, you know, there's a lot out there um, and it's hard to make sense of it all. I was just talking with a, a, a customer this morning um, who, who, who was uh, commenting on exactly, exactly this, this concern. But first, um, in order for me to present this framework to you, I want to establish a couple quick ground rules of key roles in the real estate industry. Um, given that I'm speaking to a general audience, I don't know where you guys are, so for those of you who are in real estate, I apologize um, and, and breathe, breathe this stuff, um, but sometimes it's always best to get back to basics. Um, I think there are three key roles that you should be aware of when you're dealing with the stakeholders and operators of commercial real estate, and those are asset managers, uh, property managers, and building engineers. Um, those individuals, depending on the business that you're talking with, could have a different title uh, or a slight variant of those titles. But if you think about what are their form and function, um, you know, these three personas prevail across any kind of commercial real estate institution. Um, and I think that first step is a useful guidepost uh, in terms of reaching your audience and being able to speak more clearly to them. Um, I'll speak very briefly. So asset managers really, um, asset managers are overseeing a group of assets or a group of buildings, right? Uh, their primary, you know, goals are around financial returns and their primary mandate is to oversee all of the operational aspects to make sure that they meet those uh, financial returns. Uh, underneath an asset manager essentially is one or more pairings of property and property managers and building engineers. Uh, there's typically one or more of these roles at each building, and essentially a property manager uh, 
uh, oversees and is responsible for all of the day-to-day -day operations and tenant needs regarding a property. Um, you know, the property manager role is the face of the property. It's the person that all of the tenants talk to. They have to put up and deal with all of us vendors, and they also have, um, you know, have to keep their tenants happy, and they have to make sure that the budget is um, met in, in the building. So they have a tough job, uh, but it's an entrepreneurial job um, um, uh, um, uh, for their, you know, their one asset or their one building. And then to support that property manager, very often you may have uh, one building engineer, many building engineers. Maybe you have no only only one building engineer for a set of buildings, but there's always sort of a counterpart to the facility manager, where if the property manager is um, focused on the finance and the people aspects of a building, the building engineer is focused on all of the facility aspects, the the, the equipment. Uh, the integrity of operations and all the services that that building provides. Okay, so with that, um, I will uh, let's go dive into the uh, um, the pillars. So when when a um, when when you are owning and operating an asset, uh, whether you are uh, outsourcing that that management to a third party, uh, you are you know performing um, what is called asset management. Um, but what does that entail? And so um, I'm here to propose to you that there are essentially five primary pillars of asset management that you can think of, uh, and I'll apply those pillars in a way that you can use them in, in how you see all of these various technologies that are coming of age in real estate. Um, there's financial performance, people performance, environmental performance, equipment performance, and energy or, or sometimes utility performance. Um, so think about that, five pillars. Um, and I'll break each of these down and I'll talk a little bit about each. So financial performance, right? So if, if you're a technologist, you're trying to bring your technology to market, um, you're, you're focused on a specific piece of the building, you're focused on lighting, water, gas, a piece of equipment. So something you ultimately really must be aware of is that in the end of the day, an asset manager's primary responsibility is the financial performance of a building. And so what does that mean? That means that, uh, that asset manager is responsible for the revenues that that building generates. It's he's he or she is responsible for the operating expenses to maintain that building. And then he or she is also responsible for any capital projects, meaning projects that are being invested in to improve the operations or maintain the property. Um, from a financial performance perspective, um, What's been really exciting to see is that some of the most influential companies in uh, real estate technology has been have been coming of age in this sort of pillar, right? And you know, very often what these technologies offer are things like you know reducing uh, sort of the, the the opacity and complexity of the market, making it more clear to see which buildings are where, streamlining leasing. So there's companies like Reonomy or Trust. Uh, VTS, all these companies uh, which have really come and created an incredibly 
um, more transparent marketplace for tenants to be matched with the buildings that they need uh, to be matched with. And they've also created a, uh, an opportunity for landlords to better manage uh, you know, these tenants as they're coming in and they're creating revenues uh, for, for, the, uh, for the property. In addition to the revenue side of the equation, there's also sort of the expense side of the equation. And so there's technologies like Nexus Systems uh, or that are trying to automate what is currently considered a very manual and cumbersome uh, paper process uh, to collect invoices and to pay out invoices. People performance. Um, you know, again, kind of going back to my, the original uh, starting point of this presentation, um, asset managers really are, their success is driven by the property managers and the building engineers that, that are at each facility. And so in the end of the day, an asset manager to some degree is, is, a, uh, is, a, is, a, is a people manager, right? Um, and so there are lots of new technologies that are coming onto the market today to help streamline that collaboration and that communication out there uh, between all of these different roles. And that's a challenging subject because an asset manager very often may oversee 30, 40, 50 assets, each of those assets having 10, you know, you know, two to 10 people per asset. And so that's a lot of individuals that somebody has to oversee and manage. And so technology enablement is a great way to make this much more streamlined and much more robust. Um, technologies like building engines uh, for work order management and task management, and technologies like Honest Buildings, uh, which specializes in vendor and project management. Uh, utility performance, uh, this is sort of where, where I got my start and where, where I know there are, all, are a lot of, of burgeoning technologies and exploratory solutions. You know, uh, the utility performance segment or the energy performance segment uh, plays a huge role, both financially as well as just because it's a highly influential um, uh, portion of, of this uh, problem that we call global climate change. And so it's the asset's largest controllable expense. And I think there's a, a passion to this space, uh, which is why you see so many people get interested and excited about it. Technology today is affecting this, this pillar uh, by helping to automate uh, sort of both the billing and the budgeting aspects of this. It's allowing real-time data to come out of these buildings in a way that's never been available before. And it's enabling uh, sort of landlords and owners uh, to streamline a lot of tedious reporting tasks and functions that they have to take care of. So, you know, companies like Gobi and Measurable specialize in automating these types of certifications. Uh, companies like Legend Power and STEM are actually focused on bringing in new technologies that can offer storage and renewables or even things like power factor correction. And so if you're not familiar with any of those, you know, uh, let's, we, I'd love to talk more about it at the end of the uh, session here. Equipment performance. Um, as a physical asset, right, um, our, uh, a landlord is mandated to uh, ensure a certain quality uh, to the space that it's delivering. And so uh, um, equipment is utilized to uh, deliver those services, services like uh, climate control, services like lighting, service, services like access control. So all of these services ultimately need to be maintained 
And these, this equipment represents a very large capital investment that needs to be taken care of. Um, you know, technology today is about web enabling this equipment performance. Our sponsor today for uh, this, this, um, uh, this presentation, uh, Haystack Project, is a great example where there's lots of pieces of equipment out there and it's very difficult to manage or maintain the, that equipment. Uh, without a common language. Uh, and so Haystack is a great initiative and an open source initiative to create a common language for all these pieces of equipment. Um, the common offerings that are coming of, of age today include things like prescriptive monitoring as well as prescriptive control of these pieces of equipment. So being able to remotely monitor and remotely control these uh, in a more optimal way. And then lastly, environmental performance. Um, environmental performance is perhaps the least touched um, aspect of the um, function of asset management. It's something that's relatively new in this space. Um, and it's coming from a case where tenants want to get more out of the spaces that they lease. And so uh, a lot more questions are being asked about, uh, you know, how how, uh, what is the condition of the air quality in the space? Um, how can we create an environment where occupants can have a higher quality of life and have a higher productivity level? And so technologies like a workspace experience apps, you know, um, environmental monitoring tool solutions are sort of coming to the, to the space today as a result of that. Um, a recent announcement, actually literally uh, two hours ago or three hours ago, was that company was recently acquired by uh, Siemens. Uh, company is a great technology uh, that is a workplace experience app that you know, allows uh, tenants to control uh, their HVAC system. Uh, ZOA uh, is, is a, a, a relatively young and new air duct sensor control. So if you want to monitor the quality of air coming into your building and then going into your spaces, um, that's a new, new technology that would be in this pillar. All right, so I, uh, so I went through the five pillars and I wanted to tie it back together with the people that we spoke about with commercial real estate. So which of these roles care about which pillars? And so if you, again, kind of tying this back to the lessons learned, if you're a technologist, right, then um, thinking about what is your technology built for? And then which of these uh, roles will, will benefit the most from the technology you're building? Uh, can, this can be a guiding post. And then if, if you're in real estate, sort of thinking to yourself like, okay, well, you know, this technology that, you know, somebody spoke to me about uh, last week, maybe is not for me, but I think it might be useful for this other, uh, my, my partner and my colleague here. And so asset managers tend to carry carry the burden of financial and people performance at a portfolio level. Property managers carry the financial and, and people performance at a property level. And then building engineers carry the performance requirements of the equipment, the energy, and the environmental pillars. So that's, that kind of wraps up uh, sort of the five pillars and how they relate to the, the people of real estate. Um, I, I guess I can take uh, a few questions now, James, or uh, I'd like to pause and, and just ask James, you know, how, how am I doing or how's the audience doing in terms of the Q&A? 
And then if that works, then I, I'll, I'll just do a, a two minute wrap up uh, to tell you a little about, about what Aquaport is doing in the space um, and, then, and then kind of like a final thoughts. Yeah, sure. I, I definitely found it super interesting. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of, I mean, I, for example, I wrote down here, uh, you know, reducing market noise. I think that's something that resonates with a lot of people, you know, in the industry is <clears throat> that it can be quite difficult to, you know, peel back some of the layers and really understand, you know, the, the structure of the business and, and how technology is impacting these different areas. Uh, I mean, I think one question I would have for you, do you, I mean, and going back to this slide we're looking at now, do you see that there is sometimes like a disconnect between these three groups? Like I noticed that you, that you showed there that asset managers and property managers sort of were concerned with both financial performance and people performance, whereas building engineers covered the other things. Is that something that that you think is is an issue, a disconnect between these three groups? Oh yeah, um, I I I won't um, I don't want to stereotype to say that everybody has these issues, right? Because there are certainly very well performing, very collaborative real estate organizations out there. Sure. Uh, but you know, look, it, it's hard for if, if you become a specialist in in an engineering function. Um, sometimes it's hard to relate to the financial and budgetary needs uh, of a property team, right? And then even even beyond that, a property manager who cares about the day-to-day -day budgets of a how to run a building well uh, can sometimes kind of struggle to understand or uh, connect the dots with the asset manager's goals of increasing the value of the asset over time. And so I, I definitely think that there is um, sort of um, barriers and silos in terms of just understanding what the various functions serve. And you know, uh, every there was a there was a great comment that one of my uh, close friends at my MBA um, uh, said, which is, if you're in a business, it may be good to know how that business makes money. And if you know that and you know what these roles are in terms of that function, um, probably you'll have a better idea of understanding how they all line up. And I think sometimes that can be lost because there's just so many things to worry about in real estate. Yeah, absolutely, agree. Yeah, if you, if you wanna continue and then we can, um, we can take some more questions after, after you finished. Sure, all right, I'll wrap up here. So, um, you know, so let me talk just a few minutes about, uh, you know, what we, how we've been applying this at Aquaphor and, uh, you know, what we are doing at Aquaphor and, and, and I'll wrap up here. So, um, you know, as Aquaphor has evolved as a business and as we've learned uh, about the institutions that we service, uh, our, our ambition and our goal is to create this uh, data platform that can help to centralize the data about these five pillars and offer sort of a meaningful uh, uh, experience to each of these uh, roles, asset managers, property managers, and engineers about how the conditions of their building are. Um, we're not gonna do that alone, right? This requires lots of partnerships, a, a marketplace, and an ecosystem to build together. We're not the best at everything. Uh, but what we are pretty good at is we've developed a pretty unique uh, set combination of hardware and software. Uh, we have uh, what, what, what I'll call sort of a, a unique, rapidly deployable um, sensor network. 
that allows a building to quickly place sensors into a building um, and collect data from its various pieces of equipment. And so this sensor would be beneficial for any businesses that are focusing on the, the three pillars of uh, energy, equipment, or environmental performance. And so essentially to collect data about those three pillars, we need to understand and collect data from the building. And so that's what that's for. And then we have a pretty open uh, architecture platform um, you know, to, to offer um, insights to these various personas, uh, but also do that in a way where we can create a marketplace of opportunity where there are specialists as some of the, some of the logos and some of the companies that I've mentioned throughout this presentation. Um, so some companies are focused on equipment performance. Some companies are focused on environmental performance. And hopefully what we can do is create a marketplace to bring those companies together. And so the benefit to the landlord or the real estate operator is that they kind of have a gateway or a portal uh, to access this, uh, these technologies. And to the vendors and the technologists that are out there and listening to this today, um, Aquaport can hopefully be a way to get you to the market a little bit faster and a little bit more structured way so that you can uh, meet the needs of your clients more directly. Um, so, you know, just to kind of wrap up here, uh, as a highlight, five pillars to, to uh, asset management, right? If I'm overseeing a building, I care about the performance of five things, financial, people, utility, equipment, and environment. Um, remember that not every person in real estate cares about all five of those pillars. So remember which roles care about what. Uh, and then, you know, and then hopefully the next time you have a new logo or a new technology vendor, uh, you can ask yourself, you know, well, which, which of these pillars or which of these buckets does it fit in first? And then that can guide you towards uh, sort of how this could be best suitable and a new technology to add to your toolkit. And I'll sort of finalize, put the final thought is, you know, uh, kind of wrap up from the beginning of the presentation, which is, so let's, let's not forget that it's um, innovation for the people of these assets that really matters, not the assets themselves per se. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point about the innovation for the people. It's something that I think is a growing trend as well. Um, so yeah, really thank you for the presentation. Uh, now is a great time if anyone has um, questions for Logan or indeed myself, uh, please type them in and uh, we'll take them. We've got um, a good half an hour here to, uh, to go through any questions you might have about what we've discussed and some of these pillars for asset management, uh, Logan's view on the market, um, or like I said, anything that you want to ask us about the research that we're doing in uh, smart buildings at the moment yeah. as well. So Logan, I've Got a couple of questions come in for you here. Uh, one here, um, can you speak a bit about typical sales cycles, budget cycles, and for an energy management solution? Do you start your sales with asset managers, building managers, or building engineers? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, uh, you know, sales uh, as an energy management solution or sales as any technology solution, um, uh, you know, was a learning curve for us um, from the beginning. I would say that Aquaphor as a business, we focus on 
selling to the asset managers or, or the ownership groups themselves uh, primarily. Um, uh, we will have uh, conversations with the property managers and the building engineers. Very often kind of structurally how the organizations work is that the property managers have a budget that they are um, they have to review and approve each year. So there's a budget approval opportunity. Essentially, you if you want to if you want to sell bottom up, right? So property manager up to asset manager, you need to make sure that you make your case to the property manager and get it into the budget at a certain time of the year. Otherwise, you can sell top down from the asset manager down to several assets. Um, and depending on your technology, uh, you know, those, there's, you know, one approach may be more suitable than the other, right? If you're a technology or an energy management solution, that really is a sort of a building by building solution, right? And it's unique for each building. Uh, maybe sort of bottom up is probably more appropriate. If you're a more widespread, you know, sort of, uh, sort of uh, umbrella, if you will, uh, technology, uh, then top down might be more appropriate than for you. Mm. I know it's in one of your uh, sort of pillars, the people performance, um, I noted down here, you, you said data driven workforce and streamlining collaboration. I mean, I mean, actually, that's intertwined, really, just not just with the building, but with, you know, deeply entwined in the company. I mean, is that something that is sold into not just at this level, but higher in the company as well. Do you do you ever see, you know, building companies, solution providers selling into the C level executives? Yeah, so I would say that most uh, very often C level executives will have um, probably prior end up prioritized. So so just let's talk candidly here about sort of some of the trends in the industry, right? Yeah. Um, I would say that the C-level executives really have had a high priority on revenue generation and revenue growth. So as a result, technologies like VPS, uh, which is lease management and sort of revenue side technologies uh, to garner more attention uh, at the C-level. I would say that usually one level or two levels below that, like CFO, controller, or head of operations level, is uh, sort of where you start to see uh, capital project management as well as um, operating expense management uh, become a priority. Um, so, so I'd say that I, it is it is a growing priority at that level. Um, I, I do see it, uh, especially with certain organizations. Um, it and it's growing, right? I would say that maybe five years ago that was not the case, and it was much harder to hear about technologies at the sea level but I think it's certainly grown in the last year or two years mm. I mean I mean just looking there at the, this slide and the three types of manager um, building and engineers are, are they how much budget do they in your experience you know how much budget do they control is it, is it something that you know have you ever sort of actively sold into that group yeah, so unfortunately, uh, what I've seen is that there are a lot of technologies that tend to have the building engineer being the end user and so the beneficiary of. And so, but unfortunately, very often a building engineer uh, usually has a limited budget uh, at an individual level. Um, there are certain organizations uh, where you can have uh, regional and, and company leaders of engineering. 
And if, if, an, or if a company is organized with a head of engineering or a director of engineering, usually that director role has a reasonable budget. Uh, I can tell you that from my personal experience, um, at a building level, uh, budget budgets are usually limited to sort of like the five to $15,000 range, um, you know, depending on sort of the flexibility and the, uh, of the organization. Uh, and if things cost more than that, usually that means that there's a budget approval process where they have to go up the food chain and ask for permission from the asset manager. Mm, yeah, makes sense. Uh, some more questions here for you. Um, in terms of other vendors working with Aquacore, what type of business models have you seen uh, work well, given that most vendors are now looking to have a subscription-based offering for commercial real estate? Yeah, it's a great question. And so uh, our partnership models have uh, been in two approaches. Uh, we, we have three types of partners. We have uh, data partners, uh, device partners, and we have service partners. Um, so to give you a couple examples, if you are a, a device maker and you uh, created a new device um, you know, to monitor air quality or to place into the building, but you have the challenges of you know, web enabling uh, the device and then, create, and then connecting it to your software platform, you can think of Aquacore as a technology that can expedite your development process, um, you know, where you can leverage our internet connected network uh, and you don't have to develop, you know, the whole food chain, if you will. Um, one of my um, close colleagues um, uh, and friends in this industry kind of talked about how if you are developing a subscription service in real estate, it seems like you have to be the best at a lot of things. You have to be the best sensor maker. You have to be the best network, uh, you know, technologist, you have to create a, create a great software product. And then finally, you have to create the thing that you actually want to create with the data that you're collecting. And so our hope is to kind of skip a lot of those middle, middle steps with those device makers. Um, if you are a service provider, um, um, you know, we have a, a sort of a growing and a, and a great footprint uh, uh, of, of customers. And so um, the two models that we explore are we can help um, our partners get to the market faster uh, by uh, partnering with them and, and, and um, offering their solution um, in complement to us. Um, we, you know, uh, we don't, you know, we tend to want you to have a direct relationship with the end user. So we're not interested in reselling or repackaging your technology. We only want to connect the dots so that the right technology gets put into the right customer's hand. Um, so, so I would say lead generation is one model, and then the other model is leverage our technology and save yourself effort of having to develop it all over again. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, good points. Uh, another question for you. Um, how do you see energy management, fault detection, and predictive controls technologies interacting with each other and working in favor of people's performance? Energy management, fault detection, and what was the last one? Predictive controls. So I guess a lot of what you talked about in terms of equipment performance, um, and then so how does that? Yeah. How, how are they going to interact with each other and work towards uh, uh, people performance? Yeah. 
So, so, uh, so there is absolutely intertwining relationships between the five pillars. And I think um, sort of the secret sauce, if you will, is, uh, you know, businesses that can focus on um, energy and uh, equipment performance in a way that brings um, context and awareness uh, to the people. And so uh, I, I believe, you know, um, you know, a successful, successful organizations focused on, you know, predictive uh, uh, monitoring or, or fault detection, right? It's, it's about uh, providing the right context at the right time uh, for the building engineer or for the property manager so that they can act in their, you know, and, and perform the duties necessary um, to, to do their job well. Um, and I think, I think everybody has had the aspiration of doing that. Uh, but it's always been a very great challenge, right, um, to, to make sure that the right information gets in the right person's hands at the right time. So, so I would say that, um, you know, it's going to be a combination of both energy performance monitoring and equipment performance to really create sort of uh, the right combination. Um, and, then, and then you have to figure out how to bring it to the people um, at the right time. I don't know if I answered that one too well. <laughs> I'm sure that's fine. Of course, if there are more questions, then please get them in now and uh, we, we can take them. Oh, another thing I didn't mention as well is that um, we're obviously recording this um, and uh, Logan's slides are going to be put up on, on our website later. So you'll be able to download those and be able to listen again to, to our conversation. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that you that, that you separated environmental performance from, from energy performance. Um, and I, I can see why you did that, but of course, there's there's a lot of um, overlap there, right, between air quality and you know performance, energy performance. Yeah. If, if you if it if it helps, uh, I would consider sort of a, a bigger a, 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 an umbrella, if you will, of equipment, energy, and environment as uh, I'll call it just facilities operations, right? Yeah. So facilities operations then breaks into those three buckets. But the reason why I think the three buckets makes sense is if you actually look at the, the various companies and, that are out there, um, you know, they, it tends to fall into these categories. You have companies that focus on air quality and wellness, but not on, you know, uh, on, on, on fault detection and energy management, for example. Right. Absolutely. But I think as, as, as I think we develop this ecosystem, I, I think we'll see a lot of kind of vendors working together and, Put you know connecting different systems, and hopefully we'll we'll, we'll see a lot of these uh, a lot of these pillars come together, which I, which I think is fantastic. And again, with this focus on uh, yeah. people performance. Yeah, I love I, I I would love that. I think that in the end of the day, it's really just going to boil down to uh, you know uh, people performance, uh, and that's it, right? Like it's like if the people are happy and the people are successfully meeting their goals, right, then that, that's in the end of the day what, what, it, what, it, what it really means. And mm -hmm. so hopefully through the use of machine learning, Internet of Things, IoT, uh, many of the day-to-day -day functions of these pillars can start to become automated in the years to come. Right. Uh, I had a question for you um, in, in terms of the end user as well. How, how do you see their role kind of evolving? Because, of course, we have these people that are, you know, deeply linked in the in the commercial real estate business and they have as you've 
you know, very well shown here, the very defined roles. But but ultimately, you know, we, we have this other group of people, like all of us, right, that use buildings um, to a greater or lesser extent. Do you, do you see that role evolving, having more to do with the management of real estate? Yeah, it's a great question. I, 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 I don't have a good answer for that. I think that the end users, the actual users of the building, right? Um, I think they will become, I think, I think uh, the aspiration is that buildings and the space within buildings will become more adaptive um, to its users and more personalized, right? So similar to how like a website, right? So your Instagram, right? Your Instagram has such an amazing amount of information about you that the ads that it sponsors about you is like almost scary, right? Like it's like they've been listening to your emails and they've been listening to your conversations. And so, um, you know, not, not hopefully not in a bad way, but the, the goal is that that same level of personalization can be applied to the space and the use of the space. Um, there's, you know, and this is where kind of environmental performance is starting to play a growing part in uh, the real estate ecosystem where, um, you know, uh, the question is being asked, how can we uh, correct, correctly correlate the productivity of end users to their space? And uh, so there's a great Harvard case study that came out talking about how, you know, the improved air quality and, and you know, reduced CO2 levels within a room can increase productivity by 8 to 13 percent by having, you know, the right amount of oxygen in a room. Um, and so I think you're going to start asking the questions, um, you know, how can the buildings become more adaptive to end users uh, and how can the buildings themselves start to interact directly? Comfy is a great technology in this direction, right? They create a workplace app where the end user can start to interact directly with the building systems as opposed to having to talk, go through a property manager or, a, um, or an engineer. Right, absolutely. You know, give them give them a touch point for the building. You know, as opposed to, you know, perhaps, uh, you know, just some kind of thermostat on the wall, which uh, which people don't, which you know, really shouldn't be touched. I guess in any way in a commercial building, or shouldn't need to be. Yeah, I I, I imagine that um, the problem with real estate is that it's a very physical asset, right? And so I think it's going to take. Um, you know, sort of the advent of like augmented reality or the advent of like, um, uh, for example, voice commands, right? Things like that will start to, as they become more mainstream, I think, I think the real estate industry will be really ripe for uh, disruption at the end user level, right? Yeah. But for now, right, there's sort of still this intermediate need for, for people you know, to, to be there available managing these assets mm. in the form of property managers, yeah. engineers, and asset managers. Mm. So we, we've got about 10 minutes left. If anyone has any questions for Logan, please uh, put them in now and I can, uh, I can put them to him straight away. Um, one from me, uh, Logan, out of those five pillars, where do you see uh, the most innovation in your opinion? Uh, right now, uh, I think that the um, I think the financial performance and is is seeing a very big uptick right now, uh, especially on sort of the revenue side of the equation is what I what I'm really referring to. to. 
Um, I think that's pretty naturally driven in that direction. Um, I do see, I think if you were to give it three, two to three years, you're going to see a lot of big um, innovation across the, the three uh, facility pillars, right? The equipment, the energy, and the environment. I think we're very close to a number of breakthroughs in those three pillars. And I think that they're, the, the companies that are in those, that space are really starting to mature and they're w willing to be much more collaborative than they've been in the past. Mm, that's, that's good news. I could certainly do with, um, you know, more standardized equipment, more standardized uh, collaboration in the, in the industry on, on the technology side, I think. Interesting that you, you picked uh, financial performance as well, because it's not really something that I, I know a lot about. Um, you maybe you could dig into that a little bit. Where, where are you, um, like in terms of, how do you, how do you see that? Yeah, so, so one thing worth mentioning that I think is often forgotten is that real estate is actually a subsector of the finance industry. Uh, in, 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 real, in Wall Street, right, in Wall Street taxonomy. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, if you look at sort of how the categorization works. So, really asset managers and uh, investment managers and the owners and operators of buildings really have a, finance, a deep finance background above, above other functions. Um, and so, I think that for me, um, you know, that pillar represents sort of a, a primary uh, sort of function of the business model of real estate uh, that probably needs to be served first. I, I apologize. I think I forgot your question. <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. Got some more coming for you here anyway. We'll, we'll tackle those. Um, how should asset managers evaluate, differentiate vendors among a confusing landscape of similar seeming uh, products and services? Um, and it seems most uh, who offer some combination of systems and services uh, to select which combination will offer the highest value, um, both cost savings and operational improvement. I think that's a, it's a really interesting. Yeah. Question. Yeah. Well, I think to me, this is where these five pillars should be your starting post, right? So, um, so if you're an asset manager evaluating new technologies, right? Start by creating a checklist of functions and services you need under each of these pillars, uh, and then evaluate which of these technologies check the boxes for those various various points. Um, I think that my belief is that there's probably a set of you know call it four to five key vendors, right, that are sort of center point vendors that you can work with. Um, that will provide you kind of the platform and then once the platform is provided you can hopefully depend on um, You know that vendor to guide you for other other sort of um, ancillary needs um, to your liking mm. Yeah, that's a great way I think to evaluate the uh, you know different vendors against each other So as I said like we'll make these slides available so you'll be able to see these these five pillars and maybe then flesh it out with the uh, with, with different vendors, um, that will be, I think. Pretty yeah, and, 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 and James, one thing to add is that, you know, I tried to provide in, in, as a takeaway, um, you know, examples of some of these companies. So hopefully you, you've, you've maybe learned a, a few new companies to look into that may have sounded interesting to you. 
and it gives you a couple examples of how um, you know how you can apply these pillars towards uh, reviewing uh, reviewing the companies that you're you're being you're speaking with. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've I've certainly seen some new companies today, so <laughs> from my perspective, it's pretty good. I have uh, one more question for you. Given that PropTech is still a nascent market in the in a traditional industry, do you see more startups merge with larger organizations, or do you see strong startups emerging as standalone companies? Uh, yeah, it's a great question. I think that you will see there will there will almost inevitably be two to three big winners in the big uh, big umbrella space. So I think you will have a winner for, call it asset operations. I think you will have a winner for leasing management. I think you'll have a winner for uh, sort of uh, account management. And I think that those uh, big winners will ultimately combine with some of the smaller startups, uh, um, you know, uh, to create a more comprehensive solution. Um, I think that um, my suspicion is that there is it's probably going to be sort of a consolidation of, of effect in the next two to three years, uh, more than an expansion of smart startups right now, uh, just given what I've learned about the market today um, and where I see, I see things are. Uh, that's not to say that I don't see uh, new startups continuing to grow and, uh, and, and, and come available, um, but I, I, my suspicion is that there are a few companies, there are, there are, there's, a fair number of companies that have five or ten years worth of tenure that probably it's time to either join forces or or or, or one of them is going to be the breakout if you will uh, and then once that happens then it'll create a new cycle to start for, for new companies to, to piggyback off of yeah I think that's a, that's a good analysis I mean from our perspective I mean what you see on the sort of the tech side so I'm talking about you know environmental performance equipment performance energy performance there are some, you know, big companies in that space uh, with some, you know, real financial clout behind them and, and, and a lot of legacy systems. So uh, they are and they, they understand the impact that innovation can have on their business. So I think they've so far done quite a good job of mitigating that risk, investing in companies that they think are going to, you know, that they can add to their portfolio. And then as we've seen today, as someone mentioned, Siemens buying Comfy that they eventually come in and, and either add them to portfolio or, um, or you know, continue to invest. So I don't really see any, any kind of relatively new startup on the horizon, which I think is, you know, going to change the game and ultimately, you know, become one of the, the biggest suppliers. Um, at the moment, of course, that, that, could, that could easily change. Um, but, but at the moment... Um, you know, some of the bigger companies are doing a good job of of growing their portfolio of services. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Uh, which is good for the market, I think, in some sense. You know, it's not. It's good to have have choice, of course. And uh, what you know, there's a lot of investment gone in, and I think there's some, there are some definitely some interesting uh, startup businesses out there who are, who are doing well. So I don't know if there are Great. any questions for, for Logan, um, but that kind of, I think, wraps it up for us here. Um, really, really interesting to talk to you, and I really appreciate you sharing those uh, five pillars of asset management with us. Um, 
Logan, if, if people want to know more about what you're doing or indeed like, you know, approach you about uh, collaboration, where, where can they get hold of you? Yeah, sure. Feel free to email me directly. It's logan.soya, L-O-G-A-N dot S-O-Y-A at aquacore.com. Great. And from our side, uh, we have already got a uh, July webinar booked in, and that's going to be with Aruba Networks, part of um, HP Enterprise. Um, we're going to be discussing with them um, smart office space and the digitization of, uh, of Internet of Things. So uh, I think that's going to be on July 13th. So um, stay tuned, and we'll be, uh, we'll be advertising that a bit nearer the time. Uh, again, it's going to be a free webinar. And uh, yeah, I think hopefully like today, you'll definitely learn some, learn some interesting things. So again, just want to say thanks to Logan and the team at Aquacore. I uh, really appreciate you uh, taking the time today with us. James, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Great. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye.